0: we've been so the, we, this is only week 2 of the series talking with Jesus and uh to recap week 1 I talked about how um I talked about the first part because the theme scripture is Matthew chapter 6 and it's talking about how uh it's in verse 9 through 13 where it says our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name and um I've been I talked about the first part last week in the first week I talked about how our father Hears us and how and how we need to learn to glorify God in prayer because we're so quick to jump to a request and a need and and that's important your needs are very extremely important to God, but the first thing you need to start off with is glorifying him, giving him praise, and knowing that, and even I even affirmed it last week, I talked about how god's god's spirit affirms our spirit that we are his children, and I talked about last week how When I'm feeling, when my flesh is feeling horrible, when my humanness is really destroying my perspective of who I am, the Spirit will always confirm and affirm my spirit, who I really am. And so that's what I talked about last week, talking about how you should glorify God first, starting with our Father. You're worthy of praise. You are meant to be glorified. You're worthy of praise. You're worthy of glory. So I want to read Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13 again as our theme scripture for um, this series. Verse 9 says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need and forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one, the run the evil one let's pray father i I come before you Lord with with a, with a humble heart to preach your word that you have given me to give to them, Father, I pray that whatever student I'm not just Lord it's not just doesn't have to be everyone, but Lord, if it's just this one person in this room that needs to hear this word, I pray that you would strike it while the iron is hot, Lord. I pray that you would strike the word, Lord, in an encouraging way, in a way that you do best, Lord, not in a way that we think you're going to respond, but the way you're going to respond is going to speak to us. We pray for this, Lord, and we ask that you would help us to receive what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um. How many of you have ever experienced a culture shock? Raise your hand. Like a culture shock. Like, what does that mean? Culture shock means that you went somewhere else that did it differently than you. That's what culture shock means. That you're shocked by how they how they act or how they respond or how they do things in their area. That's a culture shock. Um, obviously, a big culture shock is if you go on a missions trip. I went to uh, Puebla, Mexico last year. Um, and it was a huge culture shock, the way that they interacted with their people and the way that they were able to show us different types of things that they do that we don't do as Americans was fascinating. And it was a culture shock and getting adjusted to it was, was a little weird, but I was able to, to really embrace their culture. Another big thing, another thing that you can experience culture shock from can also be like, like maybe even out of state. A lot of you, uh, how many of you have been out of state? on vacation, stuff like that. Like, like it's weird for a Louisiana boy or a Louisiana girl to go all the way to Seattle and see a whole different culture. I'm telling you right now, it's a whole different culture up there. I've been there. I've been to a couple of places and I can tell you right now, the culture shock is extremely, extremely powerful. Not just because, you know, it's not powerful. I think I'm over-dramatizing it, but it's, it's powerful to some people because when you're used to something for so long and when you see something else that's so different, it kind of catches you off track. It kind of it's not your traditional normal. And I remember I remember the first time going out of state was when we went me and me and the Bible college, we went to Seattle. And that was that was a weird thing. The temperature was different. They had I feel like they had way more coffee than us. I think because of Starbucks, Starbucks actually originates there. And, and I got to experience the first Starbucks. there. It was awesome. They had a lot of different other things that, you know, we would never experience. And they, and they had, it felt like New York out there. But, but the culture shock that you might experience is, is, is that it's something that goes against what you're normal to. It goes against what you are used of. And I've learned that if we begin to walk out our relationship with God, if we truly begin to pray for his kingdom to come down, because guess what? God's kingdom, did you know that God's kingdom is also a culture shock? Did you know that the kingdom of heaven is far more different than what we expect it to be here, even in this youth group? It's very different compared to what we're used to because his kingdom, his kingdom doesn't change. God doesn't change. He's always the same. But we're constantly being revealed what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And I preached that a couple of weeks ago before the year had ended. I called it the the title, an open heaven. And I talked about how we need to unlock heaven in our lives. So when heaven is unlocked in our life, what am I now experiencing as a culture shock from heaven? I've learned this. We might go against the normal culture of what the world says when we start to walk out our relationship with God. And that, if, if, if you are receiving resistance from people, that means you're doing the right thing. If you are like, like, like some of your friends, like they, they want to do stuff and it's not bad or anything. It's not, it's not bad to what the world says, but, but something inside of you is like, I don't feel right doing this. Have, it, have any of y'all felt that? Like like somebody really, like there was something that they wanted to do and you weren't comfortable with it and you, something deep down inside of you was like, I can't, I, I feel like I shouldn't be doing this right now. Look at me. That means you're a leader. That means that you have something inside of you that's pulling you towards something that's greater than what your other friends do. And one of the most powerful things that I have learned about the kingdom of God is that it does set you apart from other people. Why is that? You think different. You behave different. You make decisions different. I'm not just talking about, oh, you gotta, you wear a Christian shirt and you're praying in the, in the cafeteria. That's just, a, that's just attention grabbing. I don't, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about all of your, everything in you is transformed from the inside out compared to everybody else. And so the kingdom of heaven, when we ask for the Lord to bring the kingdom down, the first place, because a lot of people ask, Lord, I want the kingdom of God to be in my house. I want the kingdom of God to be in my family. I want the kingdom of God to be in in, in in every place possible. But the one place we never ask for the kingdom of God to be is in us. And the one place that we don't ask the Lord for his presence of the kingdom is to be in us first. And that's our problem when we pray. We don't We ask for God's kingdom to come down, but we don't ask where. I think we're, we're so used to being so spontaneous with our spiritual, um, spiritual life that we forget sometimes that you gotta be literal when you pray. A lot of times we're asking God, God, rain down. Rain down what? What am I asking God for to rain down? What am I really communicating with God what I want to see in my life? And this is where you gotta get specific with God. It's very simple because all of you think a certain way and all of you think a different way. There's a way that you communicate to God that might be different than somebody else. Some of you are so simple in this room, you ask God for one thing. That's it. That's all. you're a content little human being. You're fine. You're good. Some of us in here have a lot of stuff on our shoulders because we think so much more and we process so much more. And sometimes we have, a multi- we have multiple things we're asking God for. And the thing is, is that to simplify that, we need to start with asking heaven to come down so that he can start doing what he needs to do in our life. Because you're asking him for other things except for the kingdom of God. You're asking him for other things. Some of y'all don't ask him anything. Some of you don't ask him nothing. And he wants you to start asking those questions. Imagine with me. uh, Let's get into an imaginary mode, okay? Let's start thinking a little bit. Some of y'all probably just got us going. You're like, I don't want to think no more. But we're going to think for a second. Imagine, Imagine if everything you've been praying for got answered tonight what would change around you if those things that you were praying for would come to pass? What, how would your situation be different if those prayers were answered? Pretty radical, right? That would be amazing. That would be something that I, there's stuff I've been praying for since I was young and for it to happen is is something that changes my perspective about God. But if you, how would How would the world around you look different if your prayers got answered? If the stuff you've been praying over actually got answered tonight, would it change anything around you? Or would stuff genuinely just stay the same? You just got a word from God. Nothing really, nothing really happened. Because sometimes, sometimes when you pray and God answers something, it's not just in a miracle concept. Sometimes it's actually just in a revelation. What I mean by that is sometimes he's going to tell you rather than just do it for you. And when he tells you that, that's where we get disappointed. We're waiting for God to make the action when he's just telling us something that could cause a action. And we get so confused on how God says these things to us. And so I believe that not only on our behalf, but on the behalf of the world among us, it is important that we pray that way, that we pray for the kingdom of heaven to come down. Because if we don't, I'm just praying empty prayers. I'm not starting with what God wants. There's a thing about what God wants that propels my desires to change. Because some of you really think in this room that the desires that you do have are great. Some of them are. It's natural. Some of us have great desires. But some of us generally have very different desires that don't even line up with what God wants. That doesn't even line up with with what God's trying to do in your life. You're asking him for the wrong stuff. You're telling him the wrong things. The things that he never really promised in his word. You keep asking him and asking him and asking him and you wonder why he's not answering and why he's not saying anything and why there's no, there's no response from someone who, think, who says that
1: he hears me. He hears you, but I never said he would do something. He hears you,
0: but I never said that he would do something on a desire that is not right. Some of y'all probably took, if you were here last week, some of y'all took the message out of context and said, I can pray to God whatever I want, But some of our desires are not correct. Some of our desires are not fixed on what God wants. And so I want to make that clear tonight with the kingdom of heaven. With the title tonight being, for week two, we're talking about your kingdom come. It's all about the kingdom of God in this passage. Jesus, like I said last week, Jesus is setting a foundation Jesus is showing us how to pray, not what to pray, but how to pray. Every time he mentions, if you look at all, every single translation from Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, this is how you pray. Not This is not what to pray, not just that, but it's how to pray. Last week I talked about our Father in heaven, which means I'm going to praise God first before I bring a, requ- a request. That is Our Father who art in heaven. I'm glorifying him first. Then we talk about the kingdom. We talk about the kingdom of God here. We're talking about something that can happen now in us before we ever make it to heaven. Because there's a lot of people who want to punch their ticket and be like, okay, I'm good. I got my ticket in heaven. I got my stuff, my stuff set up with God. Now I'll live how I want, do what I want, and then I will make it to heaven and I will be fine. That's a wasted life. Y'all know that, right? That's a wasted life. Why? Because if you realize every disciple that decided to follow Jesus, they dropped everything. I was telling Alex this the other day in a conversation. I was telling him, G. Everyone dropped everything except for one man who was rich. And Jesus told him to sell all of his possessions. He told him to sell all of the stuff and give his money away. But he couldn't and he walked away sad. Why? The scripture says that he was very rich, which tells me in code, he liked his dough. He liked his money. He was comfortable with where he was at. We have to learn to stop grabbing on and start releasing, letting go and following Jesus, letting his kingdom be done on earth. That means you're going to lose a couple of things. That means you're going to lose a couple of people. That means you're going to lose a couple of seasons that you wish you had because it's what your humanness wanted. But God says, no, let, let my kingdom come. It's the kingdom that matters. And I promise you this, when your desires start to change from what I want to what God's will is, it changes the way that you act, behave, think, process. God just wired you a certain way. You will always stay the same way that God wired you, but there's going to be things that God will change because it doesn't line up with his word or what he has called you to. All of you, okay, let's do this. Lift your hand up, whichever hand you have. Lift a hand up. Put it on your tummy. Pat it a little bit. Rub it around. Start patting your head. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Then we'll sell for it. There is something, watch this, y'all. There is something inside of you that has purpose, that has destiny, that has something that God wants to use for a greater purpose. But all of us are so used. Some Because some of you in this room don't have a plan for your life. Some of you do not have a plan for your life. It's not your fault because there's a lot of adult people are always asking that same dumb question. What are you going to do when you grow up? What are you going to... I Look, I'm 14. I don't need to hear this right now. I'm living my life. I don't need to know where to go to college. I don't need to know if I want to be a scientist or a doctor or an engineer or all this stuff. I don't need to know this right now. I want to live my life. But there's going to be a time in your age where you're going to need to know what's in you. And if you live your whole life, like I almost did, and just constantly just lived your life and had fun It's okay to have fun when you have purpose. You can still do that. That that doesn't leave. But it's different when you're driven by purpose, by destiny, by the calling that God has on your life. There's a lot of stuff I don't do anymore because of calling. I don't do it anymore because of purpose. Because guess what? I do not have time for that stuff. And you shouldn't either,
1: when you're called.
0: Not everything is bad, the Bible says, but it's some things are not beneficial for you when you're called. Paul makes that very clear, because people get confused because people started label because in that time Paul was trying to address the crowd like, "Yo, what the Bible says that is sin is sin. Not everything is sinful, but not everything is a benefit to you. And the kingdom of God is so important. To us as believers, to you in here who believe in Jesus and surrender your life to him and call yourself child of God because you know who you are, you don't have time for crap. I said the crap word. You do not have time for that stuff. It's pointless. But you don't understand. I do understand because some of us still go to things because it was normal. But the Bible says that the kingdom of God is not normal. That it's different from what we really want. And this is where it starts to change. And this is where it starts to, because I can tell you, I can tell you the perspective of what God gives us. When he puts the kingdom on our heart, he's going to give us the ability to do that. He's going to give us the ability to watch the kingdom flourish in our hearts, around us, around others, in our community, in the state, in the U.S., wherever that the case is, he's willing to show it. it I can prove it in Philippians 1.6. And I am certain that God will begin a good work within you, will continue his work until the, until it is finally finished on the day that Christ Jesus Returns. The quote is, is that you are a work in progress. You will constantly be a work in progress. Nobody has all the answers in here. If you are, go work for Google. I don't care. If you, not everyone in this room has it all together. We show it sometimes that we do. Because our natural tendency is to be strong by default. But not all of us have everything together. Not all of us have all of it right. None of us are perfect. You are a work in progress. You will always be one. Because ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, we have become fragile, broken, messed up. And it wasn't until Christ came that made us whole again. But we still deal with the flesh. We still deal with these human tendencies that, are really caused by a lot of those things. And I believe partnering with God in prayer is part of the privilege of being his children. Prayer is a privilege. This this moment that you get to hear the word of God come from either my mouth or somebody else's mouth that preaches on the stage, that is a privilege privilege it's not given always freely because there are people who do not care and don't hear anything or there's people that genuinely cannot go because of things in their life. Maybe shame, maybe guilt. Some people come here on a Wednesday night with guilt. Some of you come in here with the baggage. And the thing is, is that the word of the Lord wants to speak to you and set you free and give you the healing that you need. But there's going to be a time where you're going to have to hear the word, the kingdom spoken over you so where you can pray the kingdom over everything in your life and everything around you. That is the purpose of the kingdom of heaven. It's a privilege. We get our front row seat to see God work miracles because he does it through our prayers. And and here's another thing. Let Let me debunk this. God is not only in bigger miracles He's in little victories as well. He's not just in these humongous, oh my gosh, my ankle got healed or or oh man my I have no more back pain, oh all this stuff that that is in the Bible, but also there are things that you win victory over you've been healed from things that have been done to you that's a miracle. you have been set free from things that have kept you captive in a place of cynicism. That's victory. That's a miracle. You couldn't do that on your own. No type of self-help could really help you from getting out of that dark state. It took God to do that. And I can prove it to you. Every time I used self-help without God involved, it failed every time. Because it was only suppressing what was all, it was like putting a Band-Aid on a wound that was as big as my hand. My hand's pretty big. Not really. It's as big as that, and you're putting a Band-Aid over it. That's what self-help does. It only copes something when God, when you put that, those two things together, God is going to use that to heal you. He's going to use that to redeem you. The bottom line is, is that God helps us bring heaven to earth. God wants to help us bring what he has up there down here. And that's what you're praying for. You're praying his kingdom come, but you don't know the benefits. Sometimes we're like, oh Lord, let just let your kingdom come down. We, that's all, that's all we need. When his kingdom comes down, joy is involved. When the kingdom of heaven comes down, peace is accessible. When the kingdom of heaven comes down, all the things that you have been freaking out about start to drift. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is within you. The kingdom of heaven is within your heart. The kingdom of heaven is within your soul. The kingdom of heaven is within your mind. It's already there. I believe in Jesus, salvation, okay, I have that. That means the kingdom of heaven. If I have salvation, the kingdom of heaven is in me. It's a part of me. It's who I am now. The kingdom of heaven is not just a physical thing. It is a identity thing. The kingdom of heaven is in you because it's who you are now. Because you in Christ, you are a new creation. Heaven is in you. And you get to call that out. And you get to bring that to people. And you get to show that to others. And you get to express that to people who are hurting. You get to do that. but dude, I'm tired of hearing this thing where it's like, oh, they don't need to hear that Jesus stuff. They've probably heard it a thousand times. What if it was through you when you said it, it was different than somebody else saying it? Imagine you're like, I don't wanna I don't wanna I don't wanna put more on them. Putting Jesus who can redeem, heal, restore, make whole, resurrect, all of this stuff, you think that is too much on them? Bruh. Someone who's willing to step, someone who died for them in order for them to be healed. I don't think that's a burden. I don't think that's putting something on somebody. I think that's presenting, watch this, an invitation to somebody who needs Jesus. We all need Jesus. We all need the grace of God. Here's here's what's going to help you. When you learn that you're not as good as the person who makes more mistakes than you, then you know
1: that you're in the grace of God. I don't make more mistakes than they do. It don't matter. It does not matter. It does not matter.
0: All right. Look to your neighbor on the left or the right, whatever one. Look at him. Give him a stare. Give him a look. Give him a look. Don't look too long. You might fall in love. I'm joking. (laughs) Don't look. Tell them this. Tell them, the kingdom is within me. Now look away. Now look again. Tell them the kingdom is within you. All right, y'all <laughs> can The kingdom, if you're constantly, listen up, y'all, listen. Shh, it's okay. Listen. If you're constantly, if you don't affirm what you have, you will be defeated by what you think you have you will be defeated by what you think you are, not by what God says you are. And the bottom line is God helps us bring heaven down. John 14, 14 is one of my favorite scriptures. It's a little greedy scripture I call it because I think it's so true to, to us who are pure in it. John 14, 14 says, yes, ask me in my name
1: and I will do it. Jesus is saying, Ask me, and I will do it. Does it say anything different? No? doesn't say anything different. Yes, ask me
0: for anything. Now, he's not going to grant your sin wish. He's not going to do that. He's not going to ask for stuff that's ultimately just pointless in a way, but he's going put that scripture back up. He says, if you ask anything in my name, and I will do it.
1: I don't think you'll understand how serious that scripture is. I don't think you really understand. Maybe I don't understand. I don't know. You, you gonna tell me yet? Yes, I'm gonna tell you.
0: If I ask God for peace, he will do it. If I ask God help, he will do it. If I ask him for joy, he will give it to me. If I ask him for clarity, he's going to eventually give it to me. If I ask God for something that is aligning with what he is and who I am, he will give it to me. Why? Because that's the, that's the, that's the license of a child of God is to receive things that God promises to give his children. To give us. That's what he means by that. He wants to give you what he already put in you. He wants to give you something or actually let you know something that has been in you. And some of you have been defeating yourselves because you do not correlate with the kingdom. Some of you have been defeating yourself with thoughts. That are destroying who you genuinely are and i and i and i and I did that the other day, right? I think we all do that I did this I did that the other day, and I was really nervous, anxious about something it was probably being you know the Bible says anxious for nothing, I was anxious about something that i don't remember, and I was anxious about it, and one of the one of the things that I was
1: experiencing was the anxiety had turned to anger. And I used anger as a disguising tool because I was anxious.
0: A lot of us are anxious, but we disguise it with something else. Because the moment that we express vulnerability, God knows what somebody's going to say. So I'm going to use this to cover it through something else. And I covered it through anger or, or anxiety is so strong that you want to just do something. I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell them because they're making me nervous. I'm going to tell them all this stuff. And we use it because it's, because anxiety can be a propeller to do something that you're not supposed to do. And I was very anxious at that time. And I was having to ask God because I don't know if you deal with this, but there's always something in my mind that's always thinking, if if I pray this, will he answer it? Like, is it like, like, is he actually gonna do it? I've done that and I've prayed. Listen, y'all, God's called me. I've heard him tell me to do ministry. I've, out of all of that in my head, I'm like, is he really gonna answer this? Like, is this legit? But I've learned something about prayer. It's not really your prayer that gets God's answer. It's not really you that is answering for God. Your prayer is something God assigns you to and he will do what he wants to do and when he will do it in the time given. But there are some things that God actually says, I will give it to you. He says it in John. I will give this to you. I will hand this to you. I will let you have this. This is what I promised you. Here you go. But it's not until I ask, can some of you genuinely answer? Don't answer. That's just I'm not don't be literal. Don't just say something in service. Just, Just just keep it right here. What I want you to ask yourself, can I say
1: that I have tried? To ask him, have I genuinely tried to ask him? If you have, you're not lying,
0: okay? This is not some type of like ABC test where I'm like, you're a liar. I'm not not telling you that. But some of us don't pray, not because we asked him and we got disappointed. We're so afraid of the disappointment that we won't even ask. The devil's very good at sending overthinking threats. I call it false threats. Where all the devil needs to tell you, what if they hurt me? That'll keep you out of friendships and relationships. What if what if I mess this up? That will stop you from doing the purpose God has for you even though it's intimidating. The enemy can keep you at the door He can keep you at the door without you even having to take a step because he sends false threats, false overthinking threats. And some of us in this room are really struggling with that. We're afraid to ask for the kingdom, not because we don't think it's going to happen, but because what will happen when it does? What will happen if I am genuinely asking for peace? How is that going to look? Some of us have never experienced that before. Some of us have never genuinely experienced God's presence when we ask him. You might feel it in worship. I'm pretty sure most of us do. I'm pretty sure most of us experience His presence through worship, the message, prayer,
1: sometimes that happens. But when you are asking, this pastor's not asking for you, but you're genuinely asking, what do what are you expecting? From God. What are you expecting Him to do? It's very important to know that. Because we all play a part.
0: God wants a little bit of heaven to be displayed wherever you are.
1: He wants that to happen. He wants you to receive that. He wants you to have that. That's cool. Pastor Jacob, that's cool, but I've tried
0: and failed. I've tried and fallen short. I've tried to ask him, no response. I've tried to do it, it didn't work. I've tried to be better for them, didn't work. I've tried to make the effort and they still walked away, it didn't work, I tried, I genuinely tried, I was honest with them, I was honest with myself, I showed up, I did it, I served, I tried, I did it, I served, I tried, I did it, and I served, and I did it, and I tried, and I did it, and I tried, and it didn't work, it didn't work, I tried and I failed. I tried and I failed. I got back up and I came back down. I reached out. They didn't come back to me. I reached in. Nothing happened. I tried
1: and I failed. You are relying on you.
0: All of that stuff I just said, all of you have thought about. What does that mean? You rely on you. Jacob, you were just relating to me. Why'd you hit me with that? It is relatable because I do that. I show up as a pastor and I fail sometimes. And I don't always get it right. And I don't always say the right stuff. And I don't always picture things the way I want them to picture. And I don't always... Say the right things in my messages because one thing I say wrong could mess me up and get me fired. Anything can happen. I try and I fail. I pray. I ask God to deliver people because as a pastor, you're able, you're in a way able to do that, but not just able, but have that opportunity and it doesn't work. There was this lady. Uh, I think me and Sarah were hanging out that day and I asked her to come with me. To pray for this lady in the hospital, I was supposed to go, but I had to, But Pastor Rob wanted to go instead.
1: This lady had terminal cancer. What that means that there was no way out for her. There was no way out. And as a pastor, you're like, we're gonna believe,
0: and I want to. I really do I really believe that this woman could have had a miracle. But in the same y'all I hate the devil. I have this this other mindset is like I have to be a pastor and pray for something that might not happen. That might not happen as I pray for it. Might not happen doesn't mean I don't have faith. It doesn't mean you don't have faith. It's that is, is this generally going to happen? And Sarah was sitting there because I was so used to it, because we get really used to it. As pastors, we're getting calls of things happening like that. We get calls to go pray over people that are in dire situations.
1: And I was so used to it that when you get used to not hearing God answer, you give up. When you're done, when you when God is not bringing down heaven, you f- you're finished. When He doesn't answer what He had said He had promised, I give up. I shut down. I'm I'm taking I'm taking a a,
0: a silent treatment from God. And I give up. All of us have done that in this room. Some of us give God the silent treatment in general because
1: we don't believe in Him in, in general. But some of us have had that experience of asking God to bring down heaven, and the disappointment arose, and you were. Broken about it. He didn't meet the expectation that he was saying he would.
0: Why didn't he bring heaven down on my family? Why didn't he bring heaven down on on this situation? Why didn't he bring heaven down on something that could have easily been fixed, but now I lost it. Why did God not bring heaven
1: down? I can't always answer that. But the one answer that I've learned is that his will has a preference. And this is not easy to hear sometimes because
0: our humanness is so glued to what we want. And not everything that we want is bad. This is crazy, y'all. You have to understand this. Even sometimes what we want that is really good,
1: God doesn't answer. Why is that? Why has God not answered this prayer? I asked him what he said in his word.
0: I asked him, I I read the scripture. I read it to him. I said, Lord, X, Y,
1: Z. And now I'm praying it. And nothing has happened. God's will does not align with what you want. But that does not mean that he's willing to give you what you need. The kingdom that comes down is the kingdom that he's bringing, not me. The kingdom that he is putting over my life is not my decision, it's his. And the reason why I can say that is because I've lived that.
0: I've experienced that to the point, to the point
1: where I fought God tooth and nail about things that he could have done. Have you ever fought God tooth and nail about
0: what he could have done? Oh, I have. And I have told him everything. I told him everything he could have done. I gave him every bit of detail. I'm not a detailed person, y'all. I tell him every single detail, every single detail of what could have happened if he did.
1: If he would have. Y'all, yeah, if he would have. But it's not about what he could have done anymore because it's over now that he didn't do what you were asking him to do what do you think of him now he didn't he didn't show up when Mary and them were asking him to heal Lazarus he came he came he came 2 days late He resurrects. He's the resurrection. Why didn't he go from before? Because
0: because I've learned that God does not do
1: what I want him to do, but he's going to do what he needs to do for me when I need it. It's all about needs, y'all. You have needs. You want to know why you're asking for what you want?
0: Because you get what you need in the flesh. When you have, like, for example, there's a lot of things we run into that meet a need more than God. Period. There's a lot of stuff. I'm not just talking about crazy high level, everybody, every Christian and their mama talk about this type, like, oh, they do drugs and they do all their stuff and... It's not just about that. Man, some of y'all are addicted to, to, to the b app. <laughs> Who has the b app? Raise your hand. Oh, nah. This dude. Oh, no. I'm just messing. Some of us are addicted to Pinterest. Who likes Pinterest? Most girls. It's always always with the apps, there's just one dude. <laughs>
1: all the stuff all the stuff listen all of the stuff that meat needs rather than god is never right no matter how good it is you know how
0: we talk about what we want is good but god doesn't grant it everything that we go to that is good is now an automatic sin to god because it's it's been normal to you it's been normal to you. Some of you, when you get upset, what's the first thing you run to? When you when you are having the worst moment of your life, when you're having a mental breakdown, where do you run to? Where do you go? Sorry, I was scared. That thing was... Is this really nice cut beard? (laughs) Sorry. What, when you are at your lowest, what do you run to? Answer that in your own mind. Let's do that. Answer that in your own mind. Okay. What am I running to when I am pooped? When I am at my lowest moment? Listen, y'all, there's a spectrum of stuff. I can say some of you run to pornography to meet a need. But some of you run to social media to rant to have a need met. Sorry, was I supposed to say that? Yes, I was supposed to say that. All of us have a need somewhere. But the scary thing about that need being met in something rather than God causes a dysfunctional behavior. It causes, what does dysfunctional behavior mean? It means a behavior that is out of the natural function that God gave you. That is what dysfunctional behavior means. When you are at the lowest moment, what are you running to? Are you running towards the kingdom? I know this is far beyond asking God for the kingdom come. No, I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about where do you run to? God is switching this message on me right now and I don't know why. I just went on this rabbit trail. What? do you have in your place that meets needs? I said this when the the first night I preached here, when I first became the pastor here, was I talked about the fact that, that it escalates with a little need, then to the worst one, then to the mega one that you feel like you can't get out of. I started with video games, obviously, most men do most of us run to that and it was and look it it was it was nice because to kind of educate you ladies what happens when i play a video game when i am in a dark place is that it takes my mind off of what 's going on and it stimulates me to something that I need to see to get off of something that i can't because guess what video, this is what i 've learned about video games for myself you don 't need to take this. I must sound like a like a parent to you right now, but what i 'm saying right now is video games is a sense of control when you don 't have any. Video games is a set because you play a character, right? You can move them. You can go to the objective. You can do all this stuff. I have it. I, I, can, I, can, I can do this. I have headphones on. I'm, I'm in the zone. I don't need to worry about anything else because what's in reality, I can't control. At least I can control Mario.
1: I can control what I can control. Man, that's good. I can
0: I I get into something like that and I can control it. But once I get out of it and there's something I can't control.
1: So I've learned that. Some of you guys are like, huh. Oh, pretty good. That's pretty good. Seriously. Sarah, what do women run to? Boys.
0: Boys. Bro, she's just calling y'all out. I'm thinking of Trevor right now. <laughs> wait, 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 seriously. Okay, okay. Huh? Shopping. Let's go. I'm a dog on this one because I hate it when Sarah shops. She makes me go with her, and I don't like shopping. And when she shops, she's not just grabbing something and going, she's going, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Oh, this is nice. Oh, this is. And she's looking at everything and not buying anything. Ah, I'm speaking. No, I do have fun with her at the at the shopping stuff. Shop. Shopping. Let's use shopping for example, so I can close. Let's use shopping for example, ladies. And some men deal with this too. Sometimes I'm 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 going to show you this. Some of you use your money, the little guap that you make. You spend that money. And, and you know you could put it to something else. We all know that. We're not stupid. We hear from our parents all the time. We gotta put it somewhere. Put it somewhere. Don't buy, don't buy bags and stuff like that. Just go, just buy. You, we, we know that. Or even for guys like, don't go to GameStop. We know that. 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 But here's what's funny. When you you use shopping because watch this, it's in your control. I know I got the money to buy this. I'm gonna buy it. I know because oh <laughs> okay. I buy it and I own it now because I feel like I don't
1: no, I don't own anything else. Ugh. Ugh.
0: I buy this now it's mine because everything else left me. everybody and everything else left me all i have is this y'all don't afford this louis vuitton bag whatever use the illustration because this is what i have now y'all listen every time every time i was upset y'all can call me a girl i i would i would spend my money sneakers and all that stuff and guess what i disguised it as i said to myself i said I'm buying sneakers because I want to look like a cool youth pastor. That's a that you that's a really nice laugh there, Sarah. Don't stop. That's too nice of a laugh. But deep down y'all look, deep down, we laugh at this, but it is so dysfunctional. We laugh at it, but it's such a dysfunctional thing to do. Because because cuz Girls are always like, why do they play bail games for so long? Why y'all shop for six freaking hours? Like wh- Like why y'all shop so long? Like what's the point? Okay? I get it for groceries, but why in the clothes aisle you're in there for 3 hours in the clothes aisle? But but I understand now. Watch this. I understand because this that's your that's your happy place. We have a happy place. Us guys have a happy place whether, I mean, you can you can you can name a ton. What I'm saying is, is that when you start to run to stuff that is not God, it becomes dysfunctional. And that's showing me, even for myself, because I've done this, it shows me that God is not my priority anymore. Why? Because things that are physical, invisible, are worth, they're worth it. They feel worth it. But if I want the kingdom of God to come down, I got to bring my needs to him. That means I need to stop sharing with certain people my stuff. And I need to start giving it to God instead. Some of you, some of you don't know how to handle. Look, you can say that too. Let, let's go a little bit deeper. Right before I close. I know I said I close like three times. Let, let me say this. You don't know how to handle this pain that you feel. So instead of running to God to meet your need, you're running to others to meet your need. That's also dysfunctional. Because it gets to a certain extent where you are relying on a human flesh that is snot and spit and all this stuff and makes mistakes and does stupid things like you. And now you're bringing them to the level of God. I'm not saying you can't talk to people. There are close friends in my life that I talk to. But if it's something that I know that only Jesus can really fix and handle, I'm not going to go to that person. And some of you in this room have pains that only Jesus can heal. And it's going to have to get to that point where you're going to have to start going to him instead. Any of us, we try to meet needs somewhere. But the kingdom,
1: the kingdom of God meets those needs. God's presence meets those needs.
0: I can't ask, why am I asking God for kingdom come
1: if I'm not coming to Him first before anybody else, before anything else? Why? Why? Y'all, I think it's time to change the way we go
0: to things. We need to change the way that we
1: go to things. God is the ultimate source not your relationship. God is your source,
0: not your PlayStation. God is your source, not not gossip. That is not your source. That is not your source of healing. It only suppresses what needs to be healed. And if you want the kingdom of God to come down, you gotta go, you gotta come before the Lord, and go to him to be healed first. Because sometimes the kingdom of God won't come down until you're ready for it. You're asking for God to come down. Lord, they need the kingdom of God, or this needs the kingdom of God. You need the kingdom of God. You got some weird stuff that you need to give God, that the kingdom needs to sit upon but you're relying on everything else. The kingdom of God is always near. Jesus said, for the kingdom of God is here. And people were confused when he would say that. But the kingdom of God is here, not just in a physical form, it's by faith. The kingdom of God is by faith. I have to believe, I, here's the application. Ask God to use you to make an impact on the people around you. Once you have installed or received the kingdom of heaven, everything else around you will start to receive the kingdom of heaven because you are putting that first above all else. You're meeting your needs to the kingdom of heaven above all else. You're meeting all of the stuff that you, the questions that you have and the thoughts that you process are going towards the throne of heaven. So, God let your kingdom be let your let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus taught us how to pray for his will, not our want. He taught us to take his will and put it for ours, not our want for his will. What we want will soon fade. What you want right now by the age of 25 you will not want. But what the will of God is now is what it is. The kingdom come.
1: With every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody looking around.
0: Take a moment to really examine your life tonight. Examine yourself. There's nothing wrong with examining you. Maybe you're afraid to examine you Because it's not Because yeah, I would be afraid if someone tried to examine me Because I don't know what they're going to say But I know what I would say to me Some of you are self-critical And you know what you're going to say to you But it's not about what you say to you It's not about what people say to you God wants you to examine Because he has something to say about it He has something to say Do you believe that God wants to partner with you to bring heaven to earth? What might that, what does that look like in your life? Ask God to show you specific things that might need to change in your life so that his will will be done through you. In this moment, I want you to pray and ask God to use you to accomplish his will in your everyday life but not just that I also want you to ask God to meet needs from his throne because he has you I talked about last week how the spirit affirms your spirit affirming you that you are a child it's affirming who you are so if you're self-critical in this room you gotta speak that scripture no no the spirit is affirming me, not me, not the opinions of others, but his spirit in me. His spirit inside of me is affirming who I really am. I don't have to prove it on Instagram. I don't have to prove it to someone who keeps, who keeps telling me what, I am, what, what they think I am, which I'm really not. I don't have to do to prove The proof is not in what I do. The proof is in who I am already. So Father, I ask, Lord, that you would help us to understand before we do who we are, we are already who we are. Lord, you have created us in an image that glorifies you and shines affirmation on us to know who we truly are. Sons and daughters of God. Children of the Most High. Inheritance. Our inheritance is heaven. So your kingdom will come, Lord, because it's our inheritance. It is what we get when we surrender our life. It's what we get when we get saved. It's what we possess when we come into your kingdom. So, Lord, I pray that your kingdom would come and your will be done right now in this room as it is in the kingdom of God. Lord, let your will be done in every person's life that is willing to receive your will. Ask him that right now. Just say, Lord, I want to know what your will is. I I feel like I don't have anything right now. I have no purpose right now. I don't know where to turn. I need your will to guide me. I need your will to be done here in my life, in my family, in my friends, in my relationships, in my school, in my work, in my church. I want your will to be done, not mine. Because your will works. Because what you say you would do is going to be done. So Father, I ask Lord that you would Proceed your will upon people who are willing to receive it and that your presence would be the significant signal that will show us that your kingdom is with us that your kingdom is within us that your kingdom the proof of your kingdom is the proof of your presence so lord i pray that your presence would drop on every single person in this room to get an installment of who they are in the kingdom of heaven We pray that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we glorify your name as we continue to talk to you more and to talk to you better and to know how to talk to you, not in a religious way, not as a duty to pray to you, but Lord, to have a conversation with you, Lord, to have genuine relationship with you that is so against religious normal. We thank you that You are not just our Lord, but you are an ever-loving Father. We thank you,
1: and we praise you for this. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.